Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper, a series of interviews with financial consultants and industry experts helping financial advisors strategize, market, and grow their business using core fitness values and analogies. Do something today that your future self will thank you for with Get Advisor Fit. Here's your host, Olivia Looper. Hey there, welcome back to Get Advisor Fit. I'm your host, Olivia Looper, the founder and chief content writer at... Lexicon Content Development. And today I have a very special guest, Libby Grywe. Is that correct? Nailed it. Good. Okay. <laughs> At first, I'm glad you put the pronunciation in your email because I was thinking in my head, Grywe. So it's not Grywe. Okay. So <laughs> Libby is here today. I was on Libby's podcast recently where we went over an email nurture sequence and how to follow up without sounding desperate. Um, but follow-up nonetheless. Uh, And that went amazingly well. We had a great giveaway. And now she's here to show us what she's got. Um, She's got an amazing takeaway as well. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Um, I do have a funny story before we begin. Olivia and I had to reschedule uh, the first one because my son was home. So I knew that this was upcoming today, but it just wasn't in the forefront of my mind until three o'clock this morning when I sat up like a whack-a-mole game at Chuck E. Cheese and said, oh, we have the podcast today. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was ready and everything was all set. I'm not going to lie. It's mostly because of you. You have this great outline you sent me. I barely had to do anything. Making Girl, it's efficient. <laughs> You're super efficient. You're seriously the most efficient person I know. I strive to be like you on the daily. So, you know, I need a better oven, better operating system up here that doesn't operate like the whack-a-mole game with the Chuck E. Cheese. But um, I was super excited and I was like, I have to tell Libby, you know, this is, I'm just so excited. I woke up at three in the morning thinking about her. Um, So let me tell you why. (laughs) Um, Here's Libby's thing. Okay. Libby was a financial advisor and now she's here telling financial advisors how she grew her business her referral-only solo advisor planning practice to seven figures, only working three days a week. What? Oh my God, isn't that the dream? So creating a top-notch client experience that runs like clockwork is the best way to create a referral business and have clients lining up to work with you, says Libby. There is a catch though. In order to execute an amazing client experience, it takes an organized system to process-based financial planning practice that delivers loads of value to its members. Libby is here to share strategies from her 16 years of experience, producing at high level that you can use right away to create ease in your business, grow revenue, and become a highly referable practice without feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, which I think is the most important part. (laughs) That's the key. (laughs) Yes. So thank you so much for joining me. I always love the chance to get to talk to you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your practice? Oh, also, can you please explain how you lived in Hawaii for a few years too? Because my daughter's on this trip where she says she wants to live in Hawaii. So it makes me recommend it. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun on our podcast and it's one of people's favorite episodes of the efficient advisor podcast. So Uh it was just, it was just so fun. We should probably be like best friends and have a weekly morning show. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I started my planning practice when I was 22. So literally right when I graduated from college 
And then, then came 2008. And I don't mean the massive market correction. I'm talking about something way more scary. Oh, I got pregnant. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's great news because my husband and I really wanted a baby. It was scary news because for the four previous years, I had been working around the clock, like a crazy person, you know, building my business. Uh, you know, I think people can relate nights, weekends, you know, Friday at 7 PM, you want to meet, I was there, I was your girl. Right. And I know that sounds familiar to a lot of advisors out there. And I knew being pregnant, I knew I needed to figure out how to make the exact same amount of money. Cause I was pretty darn happy with that, but literally cut my office time in half. So I knew I needed to look at how I was spending my time and really optimize it. And I knew I needed to really kind of deconstruct my practice and rebuild it in a way that would ultimately be like a referral generating machine that didn't depend solely on me being there and being active. So within a single year of doing this, I tripled my revenue. Um, I'm sorry. I tripled my revenue per hour. We tripled our referral rate and I was able to cut back to 24 hours a week. So I got to spend my nights and weekends with friends. I got to hang out with family. Um, and I actually had weekends to pour into my kiddos. Okay. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, a couple key things that, you know, really kind of led to that. I am naturally very ADD. So like, it's so funny to hear people describe me as like, oh, you're so efficient. I love working. It is not natural for me. It was definitely a learned, a very, very learned skill. So, but it was really a couple of things. There were three key changes that I made. Really, it was building a very simple client service model um, and client experience that led our practice to being that 100% referral only. So kind of taking the complexity out of it and really making it easy to execute. It was building a simple team with the right people in the right roles, with the right vision and the right culture within our practice. And it was creating and implementing simple time-saving techniques um, that I talk about all the time on the podcast and also really figuring out how to not only manage my time, but how to build a practice that was truly scalable. So basically I just ended up creating systems for myself and other people started saying, oh my gosh, is it true? Are you only working three days a week? And I was like, yes, I am, but I really don't know like how to explain it to anybody. So I started that process of kind of formalizing all of our systems and processes and really kind of teaching people, you know, for the last six years all over the country, Hey, here's, here's what I did and it worked for me. And you can have the thing and customize it and make for you, you know, make it work for you. We eventually started hosting, um, a live, like two day workshop where people from all over would come in with their operations people. And my team and I would just basically train them for two days on like, here's literally all the things that we do and here's how we save time. Um, and it was so much fun and we do one-to-one coaching. We're, we're testing, um, a group, a small group mastermind coaching program right now, but really it's just been so much fun watching advisors create these businesses that work like clockwork that don't rely dependent, you know, fully dependent on them. And they're out there building businesses that they love and living lives that they love, which is really cool. Yeah. This is such a like tough line. I think that it's hard for people, not just it to understand how they can do it, but to let go, to be able to let go enough to like say, okay, now I put these processes and systems in place. I feel competent enough to, you know, take this mm-hmm. time. Away. And I know in the back of my mind, I can sleep well easy at night, knowing that my, my business is going to keep growing. It's not just going to fall flat on its face. Yeah. <laughs> and as a control freak, that is not easy. At least yeah. it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. 
And the good thing about you being ADD, <laughs> no, I'm strange, but it's proof that you can do it even if it's not your natural inclination. You can learn to adopt yeah. these systems and processes, put them in place, even if it's not something that comes easy naturally, whatever, um, it's possible. So that gives us hope. Yeah, literally, if I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, that's good. That's good endorsement. <laughs> How did you end up in Hawaii? Yeah. Well, so in 2019, thank you. Um, so 2019, we actually ended up selling the practice and I knew I wanted to take a sabbatical and then come back to the efficient advisor, uh, as kind of, I was doing it kind of as a side vocation while I was running my business. Yeah. I was doing both. And I knew that I just love, love, loved coaching. Um, and my practice was at a point where it was really, at this next level. And I knew, I just knew it was the right time for me to, to transition. So we actually sold it and moved to Hawaii. And that the goal was just to be there for a couple of months and then take off around the world for a year with our two boys and just kind of travel and do the thing. And then the Coco Roro set in and destroyed that whole plan. So we ended up staying in Hawaii, which wasn't a like terrible consolation prize. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it was, it was really, cool. it was really cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. I could have been back in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I am, where it was wet and cold and rainy and everyone was stuck inside, but instead True. we were surfing and we yeah. were doing our, our social distancing on the beach. It was meant to be. What was the step between that and where you are now? Yeah. So living on a rock in the middle of the Pacific was awesome and a little scary during the coronavirus because you know, with shipping issues and um, food shortages, I just knew we wanted to get back home at some point and be near family where we could at least kind of see people, even if it was at a distance. And we had just moved there when it started. So we didn't really have a network of friends and we were kind of starting to get the lonely vibe. So we actually came back to the U S or to the mainland, moved back to in our, into our house in Cincinnati, which we hadn't gotten rid of. Um, and after a few months, we got kind of anxious and we're like, let's buy an Airstream and travel the country for the year instead. So instead of our world adventure, we ended up living in a camper and seeing all the national parks and visiting oh friends God. and family all over the country. It was, it was a unique experience is what I will, what I will call it. Unique. That's interesting. I'm totally like a person that could live like in a tiny house or a camper. I'm like, if uh-huh. I didn't have small children, I could totally do that. Like, I don't need yeah. a lot of space. I don't need a lot of things. Like my husband's like, you're crazy. That would never happen. Look how full our house is of crap. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't need any of it. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of cool. It, and it was cool. Cause it forced you to be outside so much, which I loved with our kids, you know, instead of being in yes. this like little camper, you know, we were really outside. Yeah. You get all out. the time. It yeah. was cool. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. I mean, I'm, I live in Florida. I've lived in Florida or California my whole life. So I've always been somewhere warm where you can go outside year round. And I always tell my husband, I said, we're going to become like snowbirds. We're going to go spend half the year in Colorado and half the year here. Because originally I said, we're just going to move to Colorado. And he said, you don't even know what it's like to live in the cold. You can't go outside. I'm like, okay, <laughs> good point. Because I can't get outside. I don't know. I'm like a lizard. I need to like okay. lay in the sun and like soak up the rays to feel like a normal human. But <laughs> I mean, your story is just, it just blows my mind. And then you, so you travel around in your Airstream and with the boy, how old were the boys? They, let's see, they were 10 and 12. Okay. That's a good age. Not teenagers yet, but not like completely 
where you have to take care of them 24 hours, like be up their butt. So it's right. good. That's great. Okay. So then you're like, I'm bored. I want to be a fashion advisor again. Yeah. So really it's a divine calling. I just have felt like God has put this on my heart for the last like six years and taking the tears off was great. It was amazing to have that white space and that margin. And I could just kind of feel it in my bones that it was time to come back. And I was starting to get the emails from like past people we had coached going, are you, you said you might come back. Is that, is that going to happen? And I was like, okay, I know it's time. So it's been really fun to be able to focus on it and not have to have the whole advisory business be my primary gig and instead be able to just really figure out how can I help advisors work more efficiently, have more time and energy left over for their families and really build a business that, that they love. Yeah, no, I mean, so getting them to the place where they can build a business that they love, spend more time with their family, do all these things that are basically like the entrepreneur's dream, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say are some of the key ingredients or things to focus on to building this tight scalable practice that gets them here? Oh my gosh. It's, it's so many things. And also like so few things at the same time, (laughs) at the same time. So a couple of things, you know, having a really tight model week where you are just very diligent about maximizing your time, maximizing your energy, um, kind of doing the same thing over, over wash, rinse, repeat kind of a week, uh, uh, being able to batch tasks, like all of those kind of what I would call like productivity hacks, so to speak. But having a model week and a very set amount of time, and I did a whole podcast on this, but a very set amount of time to actually do the task forces you to get the task done in that actual set amount of time. Um, so I found for me having a model week for myself and having a model week for my team allowed us as a, as a company to work really efficiently. Um, it's also having your branding pillars in place and really having a good idea of what's your purpose, um, what's your identity, what are your values, what is the experience that you're trying to provide your clients, what's that positioning. I call it all the eye roll stuff. It's the stuff advisors don't love doing, but is critical if you're going to kind of peel it all back and build a real business from the ground up. Um, of course, how funny that you say that though, because I love doing that stuff. It's kind of fun. Like being in this position where I help other people do that, because I feel like that's like the best part of it all is like getting to like make those big plans and like that core vision and that big dream. Like that's what you know, gets me going, like energized, even for other people when we like uncover that and, you know, to enable to focus their content and stuff like that's just, yeah, it's really cool. And it's funny. Cause you know, when I was an advisor, I had all that stuff, like it was on the to-do list. Right. But I was so busy handling like what was literally just in front of my nose and what was currently on fire that yes, it was fire. always like, Oh yeah. When I have time or, Oh, I'm going to schedule a CEO day for myself and I'm going to work on those things. And then the CEO day, you know, would quickly get eaten up by all the like things that need to get done. And it was like, Oh wait, okay. Yeah. And so one of those things I kept kicking the can down the road. And once I finally figured it all out and sat down and did it, then it was crazy effective for me to be able to have those in place. It was just, and that's why I say it's one of those eye roll things. Cause everyone knows they have to do it, but it's like, Oh, I don't have time for this. And that's where I love helping people figure out okay, well, how do you create that margin? How do you really step into that CEO role of your practice as opposed to just being the advisor on fire? Yes, we yeah. don't have advisors on fire. Well, and that's why having people like you is really helpful. You know, having a niche is another thing, like really being able to have, speak to your ideal client and have them raising their hand and saying, yes, I, you're the right advisor for me versus it being the other way around. And I know you guys know all of that and people who listen to your show know all of that. 
Um, it's having advisors really stepping into the type of planning that they love. So part of having that niche is really, you know, cause once you are doing the type of planning that you love with the kind of people that you enjoy, you have way more fun in your business. Um, and I always, I, I used to tell this joke at our live events and my team would go, please, please don't do the sex joke again. Let me, please don't do it. And I'd say, if you're not, it's, you know, running a business or running a financial planning practice is a lot like having sex. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it correctly. Right. Okay. <laughs> and you can I mean, edit that out if you want to. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm going to ask myself, am I having fun? Okay. Yeah, is this fun? Because if I'm not, that's yeah. right. That's right. And then the last thing is really packaging and productizing your process. That's a big one for me so that you can, that's what really allows you as an advisor to actually scale your practice and provide a consistent client experience. Cause client experience, if I had to pinpoint, um, becoming a referral only practice though, if I could pinpoint it to one thing, it would be having this consistent client experience backed by systems and processes, even though that sounds terribly boring. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't sound terrible. It sounds terribly difficult, though. I mean, please tell us that's not as difficult as it sounds. I mean, I'm not a financial planner, but, you know, I work for financial planners and then I'm the, I am a business owner and I have the same problem and make trying to productize my business. Um, and it becomes, ter- I say, I always, you know, get to this place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. This is what we're offering. And if people don't like it, they're not the right fit for me. And then I get on the phone with them. And I'm like, yes, I can help you. Okay, you can do that. And I'm like, this is not what I said at all. Um, you know, because you get in this place where like you want to be helpful and you want to like uh, solve these people's problems because you know, I know what they are and I know that I can help. And then I am go to my husband and I'm like, and we still didn't stick to the plan. So- how tell us how we get away from this. It's a progression, right? So, um, I'll share, I'll share a quick story. And I thought this was kind of interesting. So I was talking to, um, a friend of mine who's in the advisor coaching space. And she said she was talking to a financial planner who has had just this like crazy growth, like crazy, crazy growth in a very short period of time. And she asked the planner like, okay, well, what is it that you're doing differently? And the advisor said, she's well, I started promoting that we have this amazing financial planning process. And my friend was like, well, you have to tell me what it is like that. You know, what are you promoting? That's bringing in so many people. And she says, well, so here's how, what we do. We, we get together initially and I learn about their goals and then we get together again and I capture all of their data. And then, you know, I analyze it and then I present them recommendations and then I manage it forever and ever and ever. And you're like, that's and what everybody does. Like, hello, that's what everybody <laughs> does, right? Like, you know, so she's telling me, you know, she's like, as I'm listening to her, she's going, that doesn't sound very special. Like that doesn't sound very unique. But what it turns out the difference is, is that she was actually promoting it. Like she was actually telling people like, this is what I do. And I think as financial advisors, we always assume that clients know that, yes, this is the typical experience. Um, so what I took away from that is like, even if you, what you do, you don't feel like everybody has that imposter syndrome, right? That everybody else has this amazing process and mine is just really basic. Even if it's basic there, you know, if you start promoting that you're doing it and then you actually have the, you know, the systems to back it up inside of your practice, 
that alone will set you apart from all of the other advisors who aren't sharing the how, you know, we focus so much on the why story. And I know that's something like you're awesome at helping people craft and it's incredibly important, but what I kind of refer to the productizing your process is sort of your how story. Um, And there's a lot of data back there to support that people prefer to know with a service-based organization, like how do you help me? What's the transformation that you're providing and how do you help me do that? Um, so really what it means is creating, and and this part's going to sound, I'm going to make it as entertaining as humanly possible, but it's really about creating a standard service offering a consistent process for delivering your product. So we want to think about a service as a product, which, and there's a couple of reasons why, you know, and you can have a couple of different products. You can have, you know, a, a lot of advisors have like a basic and then they have a moderate and then they have a complex plan, but I would say no more than three that gets to be too many choices for clients. And we don't want to get them in any opportunity for like analysis paralysis to set in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a, you know, a package process looks like this. It has a preset price <laughs> and we know exactly how much time it takes for myself and my team to prepare it. And you've got the systems to back it. So just like a, a product. So if we were going to make, I don't know, we're going to make iPhones. Apple knows exactly how much time it takes to make an iPhone, what needs to go in it, what's the cost of the goods within it, what does it cost to sell it, what does it cost to promote it, what's their client acquisition cost. They know all of the things and how much time it takes. And there's designs and schematics, so it's going to be made exactly the same every single time. And, um, you know, so if it costs the same amount every time, we can charge the same amount every time. So we have a pretty good idea of how to charge based on the value that we're providing. It's made the same way each time, which means as an advisor, we just need systems, templates, templates, and processes in our practice to deliver it. And that's great because you can teach people how to do it. So you're not, that's the whole thing's not dependent on you and it takes the same amount of time. So your team can account for that. Okay. Here's our capacity. Do we need to hire more? You know, it helps give you just that basis to make a lot of those big CEO kind of business decisions on like, do we have the right people in the right roles? Okay. What's the next thing I can teach somebody to do and how can we create a template to make it easier and faster and better and higher quality for them? And then how can I continue to give more stuff away so that I can focus on that just really customizable piece. So just like, you know, you go into five guys and you can get a burger with pickles on it, or you can get a burger without pickles. It's the same process that's still customizable. So I always tell people to shoot for, if you could realistically have 80% of your process templated and the other 20% being that customized to each individual client. Cause that's the first thing. Every time I talk about a productized process, people go, well, all of my client situations are so unique. And so, yeah, that's true. And at the same time, if you serve a similar niche, they typically have similar problems. They typically have similar situations. They typically have similar assets and asset classes. So it is easier than you might think to create a template for those people that's still customizable, you know, and, and anyone can make it like, just like an iPhone. Well, I guess maybe not an iPhone, but like, okay, let's talk about some, anyone who gets hired into Apple can read the employee handbook and learn, okay, here's how I operate the machine that I'm supposed to operate. Even if I'm only making this small little widget that goes inside of the iPhone, as long as I know how it fits into the overall process, I just know how to do my part. And then the next person can take it from there. That's really how we scale. So I kind of 
run with that 80, 20 rule. So serving that similar customer with similar problems with similar solutions. Uh, and I think too, and I'm just going to go on a tangent here. So you let me know if I'm sucking all the oxygen out of the room here, girl. No, I'm like, I feel like a sponge. I feel like, where is my pin? I mean, I'm going to have to rewatch this episode a couple of times for my own self because Lord, I'm learning a lot. No, I mean, I mean, so I think it's interesting what you're saying just real quick, if you don't mind me interjecting. Of course. Um, is that- show you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, so I'm this, I have the same kind of business, right? So like I provide customized content for people. But for the most part, what what we try to do, you know, regardless of how great we're doing it at the moment or not, is say, here, these are the pieces that we, I know work for digital marketing for financial advisors. These are the things that you need me to do for you. And then within that content, your content is going to be tailored to you. So, you know, in, in that kind of sense. And I think you know, like you were saying, as advisors feel like, oh, well, everybody's situation is so unique. You're not saying that everybody's going to have the same financial plan. You're saying that your processes and the way you operate your firm, that's the part that you're going to try to productize, not necessarily the product. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? No, I totally know what you're saying. And yeah, I mean, even our recommendations we had. So it was basically like 75 pages of very specific recommendations that I could go through and literally like circle and be like, this one applies to this client. This one applies to this client X through this one. This one doesn't apply. And then my team could take those like basically paragraphs and then go in and plug in these clients numbers and run whatever calculations that they needed to run to support it. So even though it was still customized to them of those 75 pages or whatever it was, 50 pages, they might only get four, but they're, you know, they were pre-written, you know, I loved the, the, the language we had tested, we had tweaked it. Um, so I love it. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much like you, I mean, advisors sit there and say almost the same thing over and over, you know, like you really kind of, there's certain things that you are literally saying over and over and over again. So when you find yourself doing the same thing over and over, saying the same thing over and over, it just makes sense to just write it on down and then cop, you know, copy and paste it with a little bit of, um, modification. And, and when you own it as a product, it makes it easier to pitch to people. And you can be really, really clear about what it is that you offer your customers um, and what the experience will be like if they, if they own your product, quote unquote. So if it's sort of a wishy-washy, it's a little harder to explain. It makes it a little bit more difficult for your client to understand exactly what they're going to get from you um, and to truly grasp, well, what is the value of that offer? So yes. if it's easier for them to understand the scope of it too, what, then you can, you know, you can be very clear on what you do do for them. And then also what you don't do for them. And I get advisors emailing me all the time saying, okay, let me, what do I do if I have one of these clients that comes in and, you know, I thought they needed a basic financial plan. And it turns out they are high maintenance. They want to talk to me all the time. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to do this. Well, if you're laying it out very clearly in the beginning saying, here's what the financial plan looks like. Here's the process. Here's the cadence of our meetings. Let's say it's something like we meet four times here in the office. And then we meet face, you know, face to face. And then we do um, a quarter one huddle call and we do a quarter two, um, market update on zoom that you can participate, you know, like whatever, whatever your cadence is, if you're very clear about that in the beginning, then you can kind of always point back to that and say like, you know, not in a, in a very kind way, like we don't really do bonus meetings, but Hey, if you remember, here's, here's our process. We meet in this quarter, this quarter, and this quarter. And in between we do this, this, and this. 
Yeah. And, you know, obviously of course, if a client has like an emergency, like their husband died, you're not going to be like, well, I'm sorry, but we don't meet until quarter two. You're going to have to wait. (laughs) But you know, when you get those people who are kind of high maintenance, you can point back and say, you know, unfortunately that's not within the scope of what we're doing. It sounds to me like you need our more complex plan. And here's the difference in pricing. Yep. So kind of pony up sister. Uh, (laughs) But when you customize your approach too much, they're as beautiful as it is, there's no scale and it becomes super dependent on people. And as we know, in this financial planning world, your team members, at least I see with a lot of advisors, team members can come and go pretty easily. So if you're really dependent on people, it makes it tougher. So from your customer's perspective, a productized service offering, it's a specialized solution with a compelling value proposition packaged at a set price and a set scope. And for you as the CEO, it's a productized service. You know, it's one that runs systematically and continues to produce or grow without your direct involvement. So your team knows exactly what to do each time without any direction and can execute so many parts of it without your direct involvement. And yay, that's how we scale, right? When they know, okay, the email goes out, at this point. And then here's what we send for follow-up. And then here's what we do in between. And then here's what we do before the next meeting. Here's what happens during that next meeting. There's a lot of pieces that can be executed without you. And the designed side effect is that your team does know exactly what to expect each time. And your clients know what your process is. So it makes it easier for them to explain it to other people. And they can better describe your value proposition and how things go. And, oh man, they run like clockwork. They're super professional. It's the same experience every time. So they can depend on, you know, cause when you refer somebody, you know, it's a reflection of you. So, you know, when they know that their friends are going to get this amazing experience, they can feel better about referring people and your referrals will go up. So the nice part about a product is that as you kind of put clients through this, as you develop it and tweak it and test it and do all the things, your clients start to recognize that the business isn't you, um, you know, that, that they can depend on other people on your team to get things done. And then you can grow your confidence and competency in your team so that it doesn't depend all on you. And you, cause you don't want to be as, especially as so many of us name our firms after our last names we don't want everything to be a hundred, 110% dependent on us and our clients to assume that we're the only one that knows what's going on and can do it. And they can only speak with us and us alone. So, uh, we just went through this whole thing with advisors in our small group mastermind program. And it's funny because it's such a love hate experience. Advisors love it because they know they need it. Right. It's one of those things, like I said earlier, it's been on the to-do list for 500 years to document it, put it in a big Excel with literally like, here's where you find the template for this email. And here's the, um, you know, exactly when we do this and here's the template for that. Um, so everyone hates to work on it. It's hard to work on. It's really big brain stuff. You know, it's, it's very involved. Um, it's just hard to work on the business. I think it really take the time to think, okay, what is it that we do? How is that we do it? What are all those little things that we're doing in between, Um, and then building all those processes to back it up and then training your team to do it. And how do I train them effectively? Um, so that's the hate part. And then you love it when, so by the end of our program, advisors are like, I'm so glad I did this because I totally offloaded these 15 things. And now my practice is scaling and it's taking some of that weight off my shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just even hearing you say the words like a sense of relief, being 
know, just thinking about the possibility of being able to take some of the things off of your own plate. So once advisors have this process and all of these things done, named, documented, and set up in the way their team can consistently execute it, how does that tie into their marketing and make it more effective? Yeah. So let's talk about your sweet spot. (laughs) Back to you and let's make it about you because this is really important, right? All of this stuff is really great, but if you're not explaining it to anybody, yes, they're experiencing it. Um, but what we want, you know, we want like the, like what you and I talked about with the, the follow-up nurture sequences, we want people coming to us versus us always having to be going to them. And so when you have this process down, you've got all the crap in the background, your backstage stuff, how yeah. do we bring it then to the front stage? Well, naming it is really great because then it even sounds more unique, right? We've now yes. named, we have, so where this advisor in my story earlier was just sharing like, oh, I do all of these amazing things. And people were like, wow, when you have a named process, like we follow our, um, I don't know, Ascension five-step financial planning process or yeah. whatever, people get excited about that. Um, so when, when you establish your process, then kind of like you have your why story, that's a really compelling reason of why you're doing this, you know, people feel drawn to that. Then I say, you know, you kind of take this process and develop it into what I call a how story. So we know why you're doing it and that's very compelling. And now we're sharing that, how you do the planning and how you provide the transformation. So there was a 2021 wise owl marketing study. And it said, so there's some, I'm going to throw some stats at you because I think they're fantastic, but 96% of people watch an explainer video to learn more about a service, including financial planning. So 96% of people, if there's an explainer video on your website are going to watch it. 86% of people have been convinced to buy a service by watching a brand's video. So 96 people want to watch it. 86% are then convinced to buy. I mean, that's, that's pretty staggering. Yeah. And then get this 73% of consumers said they prefer like their preferred way to learn about a service is through a video. It prefer that in addition to even being like told like over being like explained to by a human, they like, they want to watch this video. They don't want to read it. They don't, don't want to go click over to your blog. I think it's important nope. to put it in all those places. Um, but they prefer to watch it on a video, which I think is just so fascinating. So what this says to me is that people want to understand not just what it is that you do, but like, and why you do it, but also that, how, how do you actually deliver? What are the deliverables? What are they going to get from the experience? Yes. So your, how it'll help you sell your planning process too. more people will come to you when they understand how you solve their problems. They will be more likely to come to you versus another planner who has maybe a generic wishy-washy explanation or, or no explanation on their website of how they do it you know, in our coaching, you know, I walk you through like exactly how to create a very defined process with the systems to back it up, but then getting it out there is where you come in, right? This is where people need you because there's so many places that people can use this house story. Exactly. And there's so many different ways to position it. So you can have it in a video, we can have it in an infographic, we can have it in, um, a series of short mini videos for each step of the process or, you know, there's just different ways. And then the more assets you can create from that, what that house story, the more places that you can use it. And the more you're going to just be able to maximize your, your product offering and also demonstrate your value. So, you know, we put it in the email, we share it on social media and we just, the same house story can be used a million different ways 
um, you know, repackaged, repurposed or whatever. And, um, you know, I think that it's important, like you said, that for us, it's like, oh, well, that's what everybody does. We talk about the goals. We talk about the resources. We're going to figure out how we're going to get there, the roadmap. Everybody wants a roadmap. But, you know, um, to somebody who hasn't, you know, worked extensively with the planner or in the industry, it's not always so clear. And different advisors do have different little, I want, you know, ideological differences sometimes mm-hmm. in the way that they do do it. And they should capitalize on that. Like, you know, if they have a name, like I know I worked with one advisor who had uh, a fit process. So it was like, if you were a physician, it was the MD fit process, you know, and, yes, or fantastic. if you were, you know, something else. So it was, um, these are definitely things that help to streamline the message. And that along with the eye roll stuff, like making sure that the messaging reflects your vision is really that if people understood how those steps streamline your marketing in such a way that the turnover rate just up and to the right, they would do it yesterday. Well, it yeah. So you can off. use it everywhere. It, it streamlines your marketing. It streamlines, streamlines your practice. It streamlines as the CEO of your business, your life. Yeah. Uh, Cause if you can give more away and you use it in marketing and you use it, you know, in, you could use it at, workshops. You can use it at, um, your connect or your discovery meeting when you're describing it, like having this defined process is you use it all the time and then you keep using it. You keep putting it out there. And that's one of the things I love about this type of content is that you're going to reuse it all the time. So when, once you make it, it's one and done, and then you can use it 5 million different ways and over and over and over again, versus, you know, some of the more like timely or more you know, seasonally kind of stuff that you, that you tend to create and, you know, and you like, and I know you help people kind of test it, tweak it and figure out, okay, what's really resonating with people. What should we double down on? Like what's really working. And over time, it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And hopefully I think people will start to see the results that that woman had who literally just had a super generic unnamed, you know, basic process. And people were going, yes, that's what I need. I need that. (laughs) I need that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, So, I mean, I know that you brought something for the listeners today, a little something they could take away with them. So what is it? So I'm going to give you a link and they can head out to my website and they can get a free how story script and kind of a brief description of how to create a process and systems to back up the how. So, and we're talking like, it's nothing fancy. Like they're going to want to come back to you, but I would rather people have something quick and dirty. You know, I'm a big believer in like, okay, do it messy, kind of create the outline, do the thing and always come back and make it fancy. But if people even have something that they can start implementing into their prospect meetings, um, maybe on social, doing some of that stuff they can do right away and see the impact of it. They're going to be like, doy, I need to hire Olivia and have somebody (laughs) like really maximize this and make it awesome for me. And they'll have this beautiful little framework that they can hand over to you and let you zhuzh it up and make it all fancy. Yeah, no, I love that. I was talking to someone else the other day. We were talking about, um, you know, doing some work collaboratively or whatever. And, um, she does a lot of this, this type thing and helping people uncover, you know, what it is they're offering and what their messaging is stuff like that. I was like, yeah, send them over because by the time they get to me, it's going to be half, you know, 
the hardest part of the job is, is basically done now is just implementing it. So, you know, strategizing and implementing. But um, once you have that key piece in hand, you use the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And they start using it and they kind of go, Oh, I like that. Or mm, that doesn't feel right. Or, you know, maybe we really don't do yes. that, like, but it's taking that time to really sit down and go, great. What is all of like, wh- what is each, what do we want people to feel like at each stage? You know, what's the deliverable? What's the goal? What are we doing? And really having that like time with your team to lay some of that foundational stuff out so yes. they can come to you with like, a, okay, here's my process and you yes. can make it just sing for them and exactly. plaster it all over the world, blogs, LinkedIn article, wherever. Um, and people will start going, you know what, that's, that's actually what I've really been looking for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that that is going to be really helpful. I can't wait to get my hands on it myself and, uh, share it out, but I will leave the link in the caption below. Um, so all of you will have access to that. Um, I'm also going to leave the links for all of Libby's site, her connections on social media. So everybody can follow her. Um, I think she, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I hang out mostly on LinkedIn and we have a community on Facebook called the Efficient Advisor Community where it's just advisors and operations people and people in the advisor space just kind of brainstorming, masterminding, sharing ideas, what's working, what's not working. It's it's a cool, it's a really, you know, financial advising can be such a lonely business. Like we all operate in solo and little silos and kind of hang solo. And it's just kind of a great place to come together. And it's fun to watch people share ideas or make connections or start working together. I mean, it's been really cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know she let me in to the group. So um, I can attest to the fact that it's pretty freaking cool. And if I was an advisor, I'm not even an advisor and I like it. So, hey, there you go. Um, but thank you guys so much for joining us. Libby, thank you for coming. Your insights were invaluable. And I think that a lot of people are really going to benefit from what you had to say this girl included. Um, so thank you guys so much again. Um, this is Olivia Looper from Lexicon Content Development and Libby Grywe, right? Okay. Nailed it. And, uh, from the Efficient Advisor and the Efficient Advisor podcast. So this is Olivia Looper reminding you to lift heavy, invest often and market your ass off. Have a good one guys. See you later. Thanks for listening to Get Advisor Fit with Olivia Looper. To learn more about Olivia and how her firm, Lexicon Content Development, can help you, visit lexicon-content-development.com. If you want to reach out to Olivia on LinkedIn, you can find her at Olivia Looper Lexicon. And if you'd like to follow Olivia on Instagram, you can find her at Lexicon Content Development. Till next time.